0: off to class they go. Did you lose something? Oh, I thought you were looking for something there. If you find a quarter, tell me. I'll take it. Okay? All right. Good deal. All right, if you would, open up your Bibles. If you don't have a Bible, raise your hand. We'll get one for you. Are you all recuperating from that snowstorm? You all look... You know, a little quiet in here, like your back so we out from shoveling or something. I don't know. Is it too much playing in the snow? Too much... How many of you have white knuckles from driving in it? Maybe I should ask that question, okay? Okay. Well, it's good to see you here this morning inside, and uh, we definitely, I believe, are going to have a white Christmas now. So yay for all of us who want a white Christmas. For all of you don't like white Christmases, sorry. Uh, you just got to deal with it. We live in Ohio. Who knows? It's, it is Ohio, so we might, it might be gone next week. Who knows? Um, if you didn't get the message again one more time, I want to make sure as you leave, make sure you grab a ballot and vote. Fill it out. Put it in the blessings box. We don't want to miss anybody. Okay? We knew this morning with the snow and what's all going on that there's going to be uh, a few people missing today, out traveling, whatever. And so, again, we're glad that you're here with us today. We are thinking about this, all the places you could be. We get to be worshiping God today. And we think about how some people may be stuck at home um, because of the weather, because of snow, because of sickness. There's something else I think we need to keep in mind that we need to pray for as a church. It's for those that are home that are stuck for a different reason. They're spiritually stuck right now. See some of you are here today, and maybe you've got a little doubt in your mind or a little fear in your heart. Maybe you've got stuff that you've been wrestling with, but you're still here. You have to understand there's hundreds of people, thousands of people, millions of people who are not worshiping God today because they're angry for some reason. They're upset about something. They're resenting something, something about God, something about the church, something about a pastor, something about people at the church. For some reason, they've got something worse than being snowed in or being sick. They're spiritually wrestling right now. And we need to remember, every Sunday when we wake up and come to church, we need to be praying for those that are struggling. Those who seek God will find Him. Ask the wise men. Ask the shepherds. They searched and they found Him. Some people will never leave the comforts of where they're at for various reasons, so they won't find Him. We need to pray that people will have a heart of wanting to seek him. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, you're an awesome God. I thank you, Lord, that we are here today to worship you and worship you alone. Lord, there are many that aren't here today. And I'm not just saying our church, but in churches across America, there are many people not worshiping you today. Whether they're sick, whether they're snowed in, whether uh, maybe, Lord, something worse, and that is they're just mad at you, they're mad at the church, they're mad at somebody. They don't want to step foot in the church. They don't want to worship you. They've allowed their heart to be hardened to where they can't even come and worship you. That's worse than a common cold. That's worse than a broken down car or an unplowed road. Lord, I pray for them. We pray for them. That they will seek you. That they'll be free from what they're being bound up by Lord, I thank you for those that are here this morning, they're ready to worship you, ready to seek you. And Lord, I, I believe even here now, there's some here this morning that, that are just still a little frustrated about something, got something in their heart that's bothering them, something from home, something from church, something uh, in their own personal life, maybe at work. Because of that, Lord, they're having a hard time focusing. So Lord, right now, we just ask that, Lord, your spirit just move through this building right now move through our hearts, free us from whatever is bothering us, distracting us. Lord, help us to see your truth today in your word. Help us to know that all things are possible through you, that you are Lord of all. In thy name we pray, amen. In your Bibles, turn to Luke chapter 1. As you're turning to Luke chapter 1, we're going to continue where we sort of stopped last week with Zechariah and Elizabeth. Talk about some fear busters, things that keep us from living for God. While you're turning there, Luke chapter 1, there's a story read uh, about a woman in Duluth, Minnesota. Now, I've heard of Duluth, Minnesota. I've never been there. Maybe you have. But this story is r- remarkable, and I'm going to say, really, it sounds impossible. Let me hear you say, it sounds impossible. Oh, check this story out. Her name is Trish Stain, and uh, she's 33 years old, and she had no idea that she was pregnant until she gave birth on a Monday. (laughs) Let me hear you say that sounds impossible. And some of you ladies are saying, yeah, like really impossible. Now this Duluth mother three said she hadn't gained any weight, hadn't felt any kind of fetal movement of any sort in months before, and besides her husband had that little operation uh, to keep them from having any more children. Now I, this is what she said, she goes, I said, no, 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 that's impossible as she laid there in the hospital room, okay? Now, she said she definitely thought she was done having kids. She, she's married to her husband, John. They have a 7-year-old and an 11-year-old, and then she's a stepmother of John's kids, 17, 19, and 20. All right? Now, she was out running two hours on Sunday preparing for a half marathon. Okay? Then she came home Sunday night after running for a couple hours saying, I've got a sore back for some reason, My back is really sore. So she said she took a hot shower to deal with it. She said she woke up Monday morning though and she said she had more back pain and the pain got worse. She thought she should go to the ER. Thought maybe she ruptured a disc, pulled a muscle or something like that. Wasn't sure. But as uh, she shouldered on, or soldiered on, marching forward, trying to think she could make it through the day, uh, watching her husband play basketball at noon and her daughter's, Uh, Short play at school, and then when she got home, she thought maybe a bath would help her with her pain. Talked to her husband on the phone said no, we better go to the hospital and see what's going on. She said this, I felt like I was dying. I didn't know what was going on. The pain had become so immense. Uh, She found out later what was really happening. During the emergency room examination, Stane and her husband found out stunned to find out that there was a second heartbeat going on in her body. Hmm. She was whisked to the delivery room, and it seemed like five minutes later, Her daughter was born at 325 p.m. on that Monday, weighing six pounds, six ounces, 18.9 inches long. Now, about five weeks earlier, or I'm sorry, five weeks later, they they, uh, were so excited about this because this baby was born, I'm sorry, five weeks early. So they named her Mira, short for Miracle. Let me hear you say, that sounds impossible. Sounds impossible indeed. Ask Trish about it, and she'll tell you that all things are possible, including this, which is crazy, okay? Now, I heard that story. I said, that sounds like another story I've heard before about a young woman having a baby that wasn't supposed to have a baby. Her name is Mary. In the Bible, Luke chapter 1 is where we're at, verse 26. This story in the Bible about Mary, pure, kept innocent, untouched until the day of marriage, this is a little bit different, obviously, than Trish. But here we have Mary's virginity representing, I want to say, the impossibility, humanly speaking, of life coming forth. Just stop and consider this for a second, okay? Before we move into Mary, I want you to just sort of look at your life, okay? In your life right now, dark, hopeless, I'm not sure of God's situation. What's going on in your life right now that sort of seems, this is just hopeless, really? how do I deal with this? How can life and light enter into this dark situation that I'm facing right now? Because this is going to be Mary's story. It's a place of doubt in your life, in this church, in your family, at your workplace. Where is it? Where is that doubt right now? Here's Mary, a virgin, standing before an angelic being, and the angel says to Mary that you're going to bring forth a child. Okay? Is it any wonder that Mary would say, how can this be? That sounds impossible. How often do we say that? How can this be? God, how is this going to happen? How is this going to work out? I don't see. God, how will, how will you fill in the blank after that? Because I think we all could. I think we could all write down a sentence right now. How is this going to work? How will, I don't know, I, how, right? How often do we say that? I think about those dark places in your life where you can't answer, there is no solution, doesn't seem like there's much hope. And in these places, in these places, could it be that God wants to enter in? In the darkness and the hopelessness, in that blank spot right now, could it be that God saying, I want to come in there. I want to bring life and light to a dark situation in your life right now. To a situation that seems impossible. Let's pick this up. Luke chapter 1 Verse 26. Let's read this story. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel. Now remember Gabriel? Now Gabriel also, if you want to go, go back 500, maybe 600 years earlier, Gabriel came and spoke to Daniel. And gave him this incredible vision. Then we hear Gabriel again last week talking to Zachariah. Now Gabriel shows up with Mary. an incredible angel of God. messenger. God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favored woman. The Lord is with you. Now, confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be frightened, Mary, the angel told her, for God has decided to bless you. You'll become pregnant and you'll have a son. You're going to name him Jesus. He'll be very great, and he'll be called the Son of the Most High. And the Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how? Mm, Oh, wait, did we have that one before? How? Okay. How can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you, and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby born to you will be holy, and be called the son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's already in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. And Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. I'm willing to accept whatever he wants. May everything you have said come true. And the angel left. What an incredible thing. You know, last week I shared with you that Luke wrote this at a definite time, at a definite place, with definite people, and it's very accurate, okay? There's no way of saying this is more accurate than it it is accurate, period, okay? And the Scripture points to another specific time, six months. Six months, okay? Now, what we're talking about, though, is the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, so we're on a timeline. We can see when this happens. Matter of fact, though, there's a specific time here because in Galatians 4.4, 4, it says that in the fullness of time, God sent his son. See, God has this incredible plan set up. There's, and God has ordained for his son to appear at an exact time in human history. You know, a lot of us think maybe it was on a whim, a spur of a moment. It could have happened this. God says, no, 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 no. At this certain time, my Son will appear." And this was a fulfilling of that. This happened at a specific time. And as I said, what time? Six month of Elizabeth's pregnancies, when the angel appeared to Mary. There's an appointed time in which Jesus Christ enters the world. There's an appointed time in which God enters dark and barren places. We've all been there. when our hearts, if you could think back, when your heart, when my heart was first so dark with sin, before we ever ask Christ into our life. As Dan was saying up here, you know, there's a point in time we come to a realization, I've got so much sin and junk in my life, I I can't get rid of it anymore. I've tried, I've tried. But you know what? There's one who can. We know that all have sinned. All have fallen short of the glory of God. We didn't just sort of mess up, we messed up, period. Okay? I was thinking about that as you said that, because I often say this too, it's sort of like, well, you know, we've got a little bit of sin in our life. No, you know, we all got sin in our life. I don't know if you know this, but when you step in a med- mud puddle, you get muddy. It isn't like, I got a, just a little muddy. No, you got muddy, okay? You've got mud on you. You're stained. That's sin in our life. And At some point in time, we all figure out in our life, there's sin in our life. We can't get rid of it on our own. We need a Savior to come and take that away. So we confess with our mouths, We believe in our hearts that Jesus Christ is Lord and our Savior, and He comes and He takes that away. He forgives us of our sin. Do you remember that day? You all remember that moment when your heart was dark and then you asked Jesus to be the Lord of your life? Do you remember that day? For me, I remember. I remember the first time, okay, and I've shared that with you about my brother Mark and up in my room, and yeah, that was an incident, okay? But I remember too then in middle school camp, going to camp, and the counselor or the speaker being up front talking about loving God. How do you love God? How do you love somebody you can't see, touch, feel? Really? I can love my mom. I can see her. I can love my dad. I can see him. But how do you love God who you can't see? That tore me apart as a junior hire. So I went back to the room and I talked to the counselor. And at that point in time, I rededicated my life. I recommitted my life to Christ because I truly wanted to be forgiven. And I wanted to know what it meant to love God. What does it mean to love God? I found out by obeying, obeying His commands and loving others and doing what His Word commands. That changed my life. My heart, which was dark and corrupt, was changed when Christ entered my life as he entered yours. Do you remember that time when Christ entered your life? And maybe you had other times in your life where even though you are a Christian and you've surrendered your life, you've had some rough times in your life. Anybody been there? Your heart starts feeling dark again, like, oh God, where are you at? Because I'm struggling. That was my sophomore year in college. And I was mad at God. I blame God for what happened to my dad. And I don't understand why a loving God could be so mean to my dad. My heart was dark at that time. And that's I got on my knees and then confessed and asked part of my life again. And <laughs> a light in life came and showed up and took rid of that darkness. There's times in our life, you know, when we sit there and say, I... Feel hopeless. I am hurt. God, step into my life, and we know it. His spirit never leaves us. When we surrender. It isn't like God's out of here when we mess up. He's there, we don't realize it. But remember when He stepped in at that appointed time? There is a time. Now, here is another thing: there is a specific time, but there is also an angel sent to a specific location. Look at that next verse. He was sent to where? To Nazareth, in a village in Galilee. So obscure. So trivial, right? You know, you look at the world. I asked Harris when we we're gonna sing Joy to the world, should I hold this up when we sing Joy to the world? That'd be fun, okay. Anyway. Maybe uh maybe I get Clay up here. Clay, can you spin this on your finger? No? Okay. Roger, do you think you can? I think we all know better, Roger. Okay. Roger, do you think you could find Nazareth on this on here? I don't know if I could. We're going to say it's probably somewhere right in there. Yeah. Why do you think God sent Jesus there? To help people. To help people. Why didn't he send him down here to Brazil? How about the South Pole? How about the North Pole? You don't know? No, I don't. I don't either. You know, I, I don't either. And that's what's so crazy, Roger. None of us really know except that God said, I'm sending my son to a specific place, Nazareth. So obscure. So obscure. Why not Rome? That's where the political power is. Why not Jerusalem? That's the center of worship. There's so many great places that God could have said, I'll send my son, but he went to Nazareth. Such an obscure place. Did you ever ask that about yourself? Why Yah? God, why am I here in Wasyan? Why am I in Delta? Why am I in Pettisville? Why am I in Liberty Center? Why not be in Chicago? Why not be in L.A.? Why not New York? Why here? Because maybe God's got a plan for you right here. The amazing thing is sometimes we think, you know, all right, God, this is where, you know, God wants me to go somewhere and do something big for him. Maybe our big God wants you to do something here. Do you ever think of it that way? You spin the globe, God, where you want me to go? Maybe God says, how about right where you're at right now? That's where I want you. That's where I am with you, right here at this place. And at this story, in this moment, God said, hey, I'm coming to you at an appointed time and an appointed place to an appointed person for something very special. You know, I love this because God, what that tells me is that God knows my address. You know, think about that. Any of you um, ever get mail sent somewhere else? Any of you get anybody else's mail showing up at your mailbox? It happens, doesn't it? You know, we still have letters going to our old house. We moved out of there two years ago. And we, just this past week, we got another return. You know, it's like somebody had a little yellow thing on there. It's like they sent it to the old ad. That's two years old. I mean, how can that be? We made all the necessary changes. We, we called all the places. We sent all the letters. We over-communicate in all of our correspondence. We put our return address up there, and we put it in the inside. How can you not know that we moved? It's like, bummer, you know? They don't know where we live. The amazing thing is, God does. God will never mess up on finding your place. You might be sitting there and I'm thinking, well, God didn't show up. Must have the wrong address. No, 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 no. He knows your address. He knows exactly where you live. You can't run or hide from him. He wins every time. He knows every detail of your life every moment. Look at the person next to you and say, God knows me. Well, some of you didn't even turn. Bahumbug. humbug. Let's try this again. Look at the person next to you and say, God knows you. Look at the person next to you and give them that look and say, God knows where you live. Go ahead. And... Oh, yeah. And if you want to, you can throw in one of those, and so do I. Okay? Matthew 10, verses 29 to 30 says this. What's the price of two sparrows? One copper coin. One coin. Great. But not a single sparrow that's worth a copper coin falls to the ground without our Father knowing it. And God even knows the numbers of your hair on your head. Ooh. god knows where you live he knows all about you now this isn't just a nice story it's an incredible true reminder that the god of this universe is involved in time and location and our personal lives he is with us he knows us he calls us by name god doesn't need a name tag for you he doesn't need to have you on file on a computer he knows you that's what's so incredible about this story is he knows it all and it was gabriel who appeared to Zechariah, and Daniel now appears to Mary, and says, says, Mary, greetings, highly accepted, or favored. The Lord is with you. You know that phrase is only used two times in the Bible? Once with Mary, and another time with Paul. Ephesians chapter 1, verse 6, Paul says this, to the praise of the glory of, of grace, wherein he has made us accepted in the Beloved. Paul says the same thing that Gabriel said to Mary. He says to us, you are highly accepted in God. As believers in Jesus Christ, lift your heads up, throw your shoulders back, and understand this about yourself as a believer in Christ. You are highly favored. You are highly accepted in the eyes of God. Don't think less of yourself. Don't let people put a label on you. Because you made up, you made a mistake, and, and oh boy, I really blew it. But you know what God looks at you and says you are still highly accepted in my eyes this world may look down on you this world may talk bad about you you are highly accepted in my eyes please child throw your chin up throw your shoulders back walk with the truth that you are loved and highly accepted before God that's what Mary was hearing from Gabriel that's what we hear from God everything God wants to work through you he does Some of you disqualify yourselves and say, I didn't go to Bible school. I didn't go to college. I've only been a Christian so long. Two words for you, so what? Okay, because here's the deal. God's got more in store for you than what you think you have. Don't discredit yourself for what you have done or who you are or what you think you can do. Think about Mary's situation. Teenage girl, She's got an angel standing in front of her saying, You are highly favored, highly accepted of God. Look at verse 29. Verse 29. Confused, disturbed, very much so. Yeah. Mary tried to think what the angel could mean by all this. Her reaction was a very humble reaction, but it was also an emotional one. I'm sure she, she probably sat there thinking, Who am I that you would bring this angel to me, God, and call me highly favored? This is such a humbling thing, but yet also an emotional one. Very disturbing. I mean, she was deeply disturbed. I think, I think we would all be, wouldn't we? When's the last time anybody had an angel standing in front of them? Anybody? anybody? Nobody? Okay. Let's think about this. If we did have an angel standing in front of us, glorious, bright, shining, blinding, I, what would our reaction be? I think we'd all be greatly confused and disturbed too, Right? Just as Mary was? It's speechless, right? Okay. So she thought hard. She reasoned in her mind. That's what the, the disturbed and confused means. She tried to think about. She started to reason. What is this all about? She started to think it all through. You know, when we can't figure things out as in this situation, we begin to try and figure it out. We try to use all of the science that we can. We reason with science with God and ourselves and others. And here's a very basic principle. Please listen to this. Here's a very basic principle we all need to get. Okay, you ready for this? Listen carefully. You might want to take notes on this. You might want to write it down. This is a very basic principle. And I really believe that if we get this principle, we will allow God's Spirit to really flow through us and overflow through us and to do incredible things for Him. So again, here's a very basic principle. Everybody got this? Everybody ready for this? Here it comes. Quit trying to figure out how it's done, okay? Quit trying to figure out how it's done. How are we ever gonna, I don't care, quit trying to figure it out. You know, some of us think we can't move forward unless we have all the answers. That's good, yes, we do need answers, but sometimes there aren't answers. Sometimes there aren't answers. Quit trying to figure out how it can be done. I'm gonna gonna make sure you got that, okay? because a lot of us think that, well, if I can figure out how it's done, I'll have peace. You know where peace comes from? Not you. Okay? For some of us, it's time for us to pull out a little pill case we take our pills from, and the ones that say pride on them, throw them. Okay? The answers do not come from you, they do not come from me. You know where peace comes from? Let us see what Paul say. Stop worrying about everything. Pray about everything give God thanks, right? But what was, what was the key part that came after in Philippians 4, verse 7? And the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts. Where does peace come from? God, not us. We think, well, if I can figure this all out, I'll be all good. You know what? When you're trying to figure out, you know what that is? That's pride, thinking that you have to have the answers. You have to be the God of your life right now. I'm telling you right now, for all of us, We've got to step back sometimes and say, okay, is this really a pride issue? Am I really got to feel this? Or is this really a trust issue I can't trust God on this one? Which one is it? Think about this. The Bible is so chuck full of moments, we'll never figure it out. Empty jars, all those empty jars, remember the, the story? The, the widow, she's like, she's like pouring in and pouring in and pouring in the little cup. And like, oh, we've got so much. How did that happen? I don't know. Don't try to figure it out. Okay? Don't try to figure it out. How about the splitting of the Red Sea? How about Moses taking this wooden staff, throwing it down and becomes a snake? How about the 10 plagues? How about living inside the belly of a fish for three days? Everybody tries to figure that one out, don't they? How many times have you heard, fact or fiction, could this really be done? Could somebody really survive? Who cares? It's in the Bible. Stop trying to figure it out. Walking on water, water to wine, feeding 5,000. How about this one? Coming back to life from the dead. How did, I don't know. Quit trying to figure it out. And then we got this moment. Teenage girl, never touched by a man, is going to have Jesus in her. Oh, how, don't even go there. Don't even try to figure it out. Mary thinks that this is beyond her. Everybody repeat after me. Yes. Thank you. Yes, it is beyond you, Mary. It's beyond me. It's beyond you. None of us can figure it out. Every single miracle of God is beyond us. That's why they're called miracles. It's only something that God can do. Now, I'm not saying reject intellect. Please listen to me on this, okay? I'm not saying reject intellect and reasoning. We need that, okay? But I'm saying bring that under the control of God's Spirit and His Word. It's a matter of saying, Lord, I trust you. I don't see it. I don't know how. I'm not going to mess around with this anymore. I bring this to you. I trust you. In this moment, God comes crashing down and scolds us for reasoning, right? Oh, you think too much. Or why don't you just trust me? Why don't you just quit trying to figure it out? He doesn't do that, does he? No. See what he does? Look at verse 30. What does the angel do? Mary, Mary, Mary. Mary. I think you only said it once, but I'm going to say it a couple of times, okay? Mary, Mary, don't be afraid. Fear not. It's okay. okay I know I, you found favor with God. I know you want to figure this all out. I know you're asking how. It's okay. Don't fear. It's translation. Take courage. Trust us. Instead of scolding, there's comfort. Just like last week, right? When Zechariah was saying, you know, fear not, Zechariah. Don't try to figure this one out. I know you're worried. I know because you feel you have to have all the answers. You're going to reason, and it's okay. It's okay. Trust me. you're not. Then the angel makes an incredible proclamation to explain why there's great reason to rejoice than there is to fear. This is what I want you to do. I'd say close your eyes, but I'm afraid some of you might keep them closed. So let's just keep them open. Just I want you to just visualize this. I, I want you to just sort of look up. Okay, just look up the white screen. Look somewhere. And I want you to picture an angel. And I want you to hear the words of Gabriel saying this, okay? Now listen to this, okay? You will conceive and give birth to a son. You'll name him Jesus. He will be very great. He'll be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David. And he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Did you hear that incredible proclamation from Sometimes we just read right over it, right? Stop and linger on it. You think about, you know, our times are dark right our world is dark and, and and especially for mary it was such a rotten time in history and she hears light is coming she hears an answer is coming a savior is coming what an incredible proclamation son of the most high jesus it will be great you know jesus is the, uh, the Greek form of the Hebrew name Joshua. You probably have heard that before, which means the Lord saves. So when we talk about Joshua leading people into the promised land, then New Testament we have Jesus leading people into a promised kingdom. It's an incredible thing. And, and so as Mary hears his name, oh, you know what's coming to her mind? She's hearing Joshua. She hears the Lord saves. God's entering her world. God's entering our world, a specific time, a specific place. And he could have picked anywhere. He could have even said, "Not even coming there anymore." But he said, "No, I'm coming down, and I'm going to change this globe, and it's going to look different in history because of this one moment in history." Look at verse 34. Mary asked the angel, "But how can this happen?" Here it comes again. How how how? I'm a virgin. The angel replied, The Holy Spirit will come upon you, the power of the Most High will overshadow you. This is going to be a God thing. Again, don't try to figure it out. God's Spirit will come upon you, God will overshadow you. Now, you understand there's three stages to a Jewish wedding in that day, so she's probably trying to figure this out in her mind, too. There's the engagem- engagement period, which is that first formal agreement of the two dads coming together. So dad and dad get together, we sit down, we talk. Now there's an obligation now of faithfulness. Okay? Our time has sort of forgotten what faithfulness means—not casual promise, but faithfulness. I sat down with an 83-year-old man um, a week and a half ago. We were sitting there having lunch, and as we were talking, you know, I sort of thought, you know, what am I doing? My dad's 83. How come I've not done this with my father? And I looked at him and I asked him a question. I said, "Let me ask you a question." You know, every week I get, I get to talk to teams and groups and schools and, and the church, and I said, if you were to stand in front of a group of people, let's just pick a team, okay? Young people, what would you say to them? What would be the most important thing you could say to them? Thought about it, man, that's a good question. Thought and thought, and he said this. There's a lot of things, but here's the first thing that comes to my mind. Your word is your bond. Your word is your bond. Some of you remember the days all it took was a handshake and I promised to do it, and That's all it mattered, right? Today now there's like 50 pages of contract you have to sign, and then there's legal obligation here. Da, 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 da. It used to be, this is all that has to be done right here. I promise I'll do this. Shake hands. Somebody didn't have to shake the hand. Your word is a bond. Integrity means everything, right? So when this engagement period came together, Mary's father, Joseph's father sat down. Your son, my daughter, are going to be married a year from now. Agreement? Agreed. So shall it be. Faithfulness, commitment started right on that spot. Okay? It was not a casual promise. And then there was the betrothal, which was a ceremony where mutual promises were made. The families then came together and, and they, they passed the cup signifying a covenant being made that this was going to happen. And then the third part was the marriage, which was approximately one year later. And the bridegroom would come, who knows when, for the bride. The bride just had to be ready. He may come today. He may come tomorrow. I don't know. That was the Jewish wedding. Now, as we talked about this before. It's a beautiful picture of Christ's second coming. We don't know when the bridegroom will return for his church, the bride. We don't know. That's why we have to be ready at any moment. Now, this is really something something special about him. And and God didn't tell Mary, hey, Mary, this is the way it's going to work. I know you've got this whole uh, engagement, betrothal, marriage thing all set up with Joseph. So what we're going to do is we're going to go ahead and follow through. Joseph's going to come here any day now, and uh, you're going to be husband and wife, and uh, then you're going to have a baby, okay? And uh, once the two of you Together, have this normal human child baby on your own. Then I'm going to enter in, into that baby's life, Jesus, and sanctify it, set it apart. Didn't work that way. Didn't work that way. And in the same way, I want you to think about this. God doesn't have you or I work our way through life doing all these things in hopes that God's going to bless them his miracle is not going to be based upon your experience or your growth or your efforts it's not based on on what you're going to uh, do as far as a relationship with him see a lot of us think well if i do more for the church if i do this, 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 this and god's going to bless it it's like no, no no you know what's it's based on his promise god's got promises and a plan for you and we're faithful to that bless you it's based on his commitment to you it's because he said so that's why now how can this happen i mean the son of god placed in the womb of a woman without any kind of mankind help how 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 can i go back to that basic principle that i said before quit trying to figure it out this is a god thing okay luke was a doctor he surely knew about childbirth right as a doctor he also was a researcher gathering the facts, interviewing Mary and others. So Luke records all this and records this. How can this happen? Here's Dr. Luke writing it down. He doesn't try to explain it away. The only explanation that Luke gives is this. It's God. It's God. Here, if God can create Adam from clay and breathe into his nostrils to create man, do you think God can enter into a teenage girl? Mary? Yeah absolutely. Teenage girl, young, no privileged position in culture because not only is she a teenage girl, she's a woman. Women had no rights in this culture. She's inexperienced in relationships and marriage, life in general. So of course she isn't going to figure it out. Of course she's going to sit there and say, how's this going to happen? I'm just a teenage girl. <laughs> okay, you know, right? Is that a good, is that a teenage, okay, okay. good. Right. I just make sure teenagers in this room children in this room you don't have to figure it all out right now that's okay you are inexperienced in life that's why adults come alongside and say we want to help you because we've experienced things that you've not yet experienced but then adults guess what there's things we haven't experienced either guess who comes alongside us and says hey it's okay i want to walk with you too who would that be Mm, everybody repeat after me god now let's say with an exclamation point god Yes. Gabriel reminds her, God's spirit will work this out. God will be with you. God will overshadow you. Let's read on. So the baby to be born will be holy. He'll be called the son of God. Look at verse 36. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren. Oh, but she's conceived a son. She's now in her sixth month. You know what I like about that part right there in that scripture is that, hey Mary, guess what? You're not alone see, sometimes in the dark places of our life, we feel God's talking to us, and he's promising us something, and we're saying, but how, how, and God's saying, don't worry, I'll work this all out. I'm gonna try to trust you, Then God comes along and say, oh, by the way, there's somebody else that's going through this too. Did you know that? You're not alone. I think when we realize we're not alone, it always helps us make it. It brings some, some comfort. You know, I love hearing life change moments when you experience God at work and you share it. I don't know if you've had anybody recently come and say, hey, did you hear about Yeah hey, i got to share this story with you, this God moment. Let me, let me ask you this. Next time something, something really cool happens in your life, it's like, oh, that's a yay God. Share it. Share it, please. Because you may not realize that your sharing that God moment in your life may be the inspiration and encouragement that somebody else who is struggling needs to hear. Go ahead, post it. Text it. Tweet it. I almost said toot it. Um, don't do that, okay? Do something with that great news. I've lost all of you now. Worship team, come on forward. We're done. Actually, worship team, seriously, come on forward. We're close to being done. Repeat after me, church. Nothing is impossible with God. One more time. Let's do it together. Here we go. Nothing is impossible with God. Look at verse 37. says, for nothing is impossible with God. Let me read you different translations. With God... No word shall be without power. With God, nothing is ever impossible. No word from God shall ever be without power. For no word of God is without power. Everybody hearing this? When we read, for nothing is impossible without God, that nothing actually means no word. Anytime God speaks a word, guess what? It's got power in it. For no word of God is without power. Did God speak it? Oh, it's got power. Did God say it? It's got power. Did God promise it? got power. Mary replies and responds back to that and says, I'm the Lord's servant. Can you imagine that, little teenage girl? I'm the Lord's servant. May everything you said about me come true. You know, when God told Abraham and Sarah that they are going to have a child at their old age, what did Sarah do? <laughs> she laughed, right? What happened when Zachariah told Elizabeth they are going to have a child at their old age? He doubted. There's Right? you to do it. You're to laugh. Okay, okay. So here's an older person laughing about it. Here's another older person doubting it. You got this little teenage girl. She's told she's gonna have a baby. What does she do? She believes it. Why is it that children are so vulnerable in believing things? Because God gives them a childlike heart. Oh, adults. Sometimes we need to sort of groom our hearts back to a younger age. Trust him like we used to when we were little kids. You could tell any kid right now great story. And you're like, Really? That happened? You know what I'm talking about, parents? Grandparents? Grandparents especially. You tell some good stories, I know you do, right? Okay? And those little kids are on the edge of their seats, they're listening, you know. All matter of fact, the season we're in right now, there's a story about a certain man in a certain suit. A lot of kids are hanging on the edge of seats, they're believing, believing, believing. And then we talk about a God who loves us, who's real and real good to us. And we're like, really, God? What happened to our childlike faith? Trusting Him. Like a child who simply believes without reasoning, without arguing, accept it. Accept it. Accept the good news. As Gabriel accepts the good news, or as Mary accepted the good news from Gabriel, I encourage you, accept the good news from God. No doubt, no fear, humbly accept. Smile because God has come to you at a specific time, at a specific place, with some good news for you. Because I know each and every one of us in this room has that dark spot right now where we're confused, right? God's put something into your world that's not making sense. And you know he's involved. But you're thinking, all right, God, I know you're involved in this. I know you want me to trust you. Not seeing how. God's going to say, Quit trying to figure it out. Trust me. Simply believe. And when we get rid of that doubt and that fear, humbly accept, you know what? Then we can smile. We can step back and say, oh, joy to the world. And we're going to sing joy to the world here in a second. And I encourage you to sing it with God's spirit in your heart like you've never sang it before. Okay? I don't care who's standing next to you. I don't care how good you sound or how bad you sound. When you go caroling outside somebody's house, you belt it out. You go to Los Mariachis or you go to some restaurant and somebody's got a birthday and we sing along and we shout it out. We're in a room full of strangers singing happy birthday to somebody, right? We don't care. You're in a place with God today who loves you, came to you at a specific time and place. It says, I've got good news for you. Just trust me. That's a reason to sing for joy, isn't it? Amen? Please stand and let's pray. Heavenly Father, you are an incredibly amazing God. God, each and every one of us today are here for different reasons and purposes. Oh, wait, Lord, are we here for one reason? Yeah, God, we're here for one reason to worship you. Just like the wise men and the shepherds came to worship you as a child, your son as a child in the manger. They came from long distances and they brought their gifts and, and uh, they heard angels speak to them. Lord, I pray that we're hearing your voice. We're, maybe we haven't had Gabriel make a personal visit to our lives, but Lord, we know that your spirit resides in us and there's times, Lord, you're speaking to us through your spirit saying this is something we need to do. This is something we need to trust. This is someplace we need to go. This is a person we need to tell about you. And we wonder, like, well, how am I going to do that? How can this happen? And we reason and we argue and we question instead of just trusting you. Lord, may we have the heart that Mary had and says, I'm simply going to believe now. May all these things come true. Lord, help us to have tender hearts, childlike hearts that trust you. Help us not to fear, to worry, or have our pride build up. Forgive us of those things, God, because they have no place in us right now. Help us to completely trust you as we move forward in worshiping you in living for you. Lord, as we sing this song to you, put a smile on our face, God. Put something in our heart. Let our, your spirit resign with the words that are going to come out onto our lips. We love you, Lord. We sing to you. In that name we pray, amen.